This is Foxhole, partner number 11. I'm Joe DeLisi, and uh, it's been a little bit of while since I've recorded. I have not found a rhythm here of getting in and recording a podcast as much as I should be, want to be. That's 100% on me, and um, it's something I am trying to fix. <laughs> I'm trying to get a little bit more disciplined in that arena there. Um, I want to first just take a second and thank everybody who's listening to this. I, I'm a little amazed. Like when you sit down and you record a podcast, um, you don't have any control once you put it out there as to obviously who listens to it, how many people listen to it, what kind of impact it has or anything like that. You just sort of talk and, uh, and whatever happens, happens. Um, and you don't get a lot of feedback, uh, at least not at this level. I mean, if you're doing a huge podcast, a Tim Ferriss podcast, something like that, he gets all kinds of feedback. Um, but a small podcast like this one, there's just not a lot of feedback. But that being said, I do get feedback from a lot of you guys at different conferences, uh, industry events, uh, company events. <clears throat> I'll see people that I don't really even know, and they've said, "Hey, you know, I've been listening to your podcast. Uh, you know, so and so turned me on to it, and really helps. And it's it's been helpful to listen to you and get your you know point of view on things, and that's really cool." <laughs> I'm used to standing in front of a, an audience of people and saying stuff and get instantaneous feedback, you know, body language and questions and um, disapproving looks and shakings of the head one way or the other. But when you sit in front of a microphone and just sort of talk, you just don't get any of that. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you even more so for um, reviewing this podcast. That would be a big deal. Uh, we don't have many reviews up there. If you do that, that'd be awesome. Um, but almost even more important to me, you know, reach out to me and tell me, uh, what you, what you think. Um, that would be hugely beneficial to me for sure. Uh, today I thought we'd take a little bit different approach. Um, I actually, you know, speaking of feedback, I've gotten some feedback from folks. Um, I've gotten some questions and uh, I think these are really good questions, uh, for a podcast, um, session rather than answering them directly back in email or, uh, in some cases, texts or even Facebook, <clears throat> why not just answer some of these on uh, a podcast version? So here it goes. And, you know, this, uh, if you're new to this podcast, uh, this podcast is pretty much dealing with, um, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's really dealing with sales um, and in the behavior around what it takes to be a, um, you know, a top, at least top 10% salesperson, if not really 1%. And if you've listened for any period in time, you know, or you know, at least I hope you know, it's it. It's not about manipulation. It's not about better calculators if you're in the financial sector, or, or you know, better ways of getting your message across per se. Really, it's about other things. It's about the other pieces of your life that you may not be paying attention to that make you a less effective salesperson once you get in front of your prospect or client. It's the soft stuff. It's the things you don't see. It's the, it's the um, you know, if you're a weightlifter, uh, it's the day when you're doing the small muscles in the core and the, the things that nobody really sees that often, but if you don't have them, the flexibility per se. If you don't have flexibility, you can't be a strong weightlifter. Um, it takes flexibility in order to be strong, in order for your muscles to actually move through their full range. And really, that's such a great way of putting it because flexibility as a um, as a business owner, as a salesperson, being able to pivot, being able to have a plan and then immediately move to plan B, C, D, or E because that's where the client prospect takes you. 
um, being able to do that, having that flexibility, having the ability to pivot, uh, really comes not from, again, manipulation or sales technique techniques. It really comes from you um, paying attention to all the different domains that makes you, you. Um, the physicality, the spiritual side of it, um, understanding your mission, um, having a good team around you, uh, you know, your nutrition, it, really all of this stuff. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So... <clears throat> Here's some questions we've gotten, just a few, and I'm going to apologize ahead of time because it's funny, you know, the last podcast, I believe we talked about new things, and if you follow that, if not, go back and listen to number 10 and then listen to this one because I I tell you about my uh, new passion of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, which is new to me. I mean, as new as new can be. I had zero background in it, never wrestled, never did anything like that, Um, and what what I'm finding uh, is the lessons I'm learning through the kinesthetics, through the physical training of my body, um, are lessons, you know, through jujitsu are lessons that I'm really utilizing, not as much on the jujitsu mat as I am in my business and in my family, uh, even in my friendships. And so I'm seeing a lot of things through that lens. And so I'm just going to apologize for any of you who are not into Brazilian jujitsu. How dare you, by the way? Um, there's going to be some metaphors and analogies to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because that's just kind of where I'm at right now. So first question, um, and this one is uh, from Facebook and it says, Joe, why are you so anti-sales awards? What's really wrong with them? And the answer to that is there's nothing wrong with them. You know, there, there really isn't. Uh, there's, I think, an overemphasis on awards and calling it playing for honors, you know, playing for the applause rather than, rather than the mission, uh, the, the larger mission. And uh, I think that can be incredibly damaging. So, you know, what's wrong with a sales award? Well, nothing. But in the 150 years that, you know, <laughs> at least in the, let's just say financial sales in 100 years, that it's been a thing, um, there's no question that the big companies, the, the companies that produce products that uh, you are um, contracted to sell, they've figured out uh, people. Now, look, you know, the world is changing. Technology is changing the world, but I'll tell you flat out, people aren't changing. People aren't going to change. And there's no doubt that most people, 90% of the people um, in any endeavor, they're not internally motivated to do anything. Um, they are what we call... Um, you know, they're, they're comfortably dissatisfied with their life. Like they're cool with it. We've talked about that before. So these companies know that they know that they're not, you know, you're not going to go out there and be internally motivated and internally disciplined. So they're going to do it for you. They're going to impose discipline on you. They're going to externally motivate you in the way they do that is through compensation, of course. And even when that's not enough, uh, awards, and it might be in the form of trips. It might be in the form of trophies. <laughs> you know, it might be. It might be in the form of when you go to your sales conference, if you make it, because in that in and of itself might be an award that you have to hit. Um, and then you you go and you pick up your your name tag, uh, and it says Joe Delisi and where you're from, and and then they give you these little ribbons that you can attach to your your name tag. And everybody wants ribbons because you look around the room and you've got, you know, Joe Schmo over there has got 15 ribbons, like his ribbons go all the way down to his knee. And you're sitting there with like, you know, the first time attendee ribbon. And 
you know, I don't, some people, oh, that doesn't matter, but you know what it does? It does. It's, it's how we're built. We're competitive. If you're in the arena of sales, you are competitive. There's just no question about that. And you shouldn't kill that off. Competition is great. Competition is what free market capitalism is. So that's not the problem. Um, Getting the award isn't the problem. Um, Getting called up on stage isn't the problem. None of those things are the problem. The problem really lies in when that, when that becomes your purpose and your mission. And that's it. And that's what you're playing for. Now, I have never had anybody admit to me, either in private coaching or, or elsewhere, that they sometimes actually play for the award even more than the income. But I'm, gonna, I'm here to tell you that does happen. That just does, it does happen. People, uh, when given the choice between income and the award, sometimes they'll take the award, you know, the public adulation. And I'm as guilty of this as anybody. I mean, uh, this is not something that I'm, I'm pointing the finger at other people and saying, you know, you're so silly. Uh-uh. No, I have, I have dealt with this myself. When you're a good producer in anything that you do, I don't care if it's athletics, if it's in the military, if it's in you know, sales, whatever the case may be, you're going to get recognized. And the more you get recognized, the more you're going to get addicted to that recognition. That's what, that's what happens. That's what human beings do. We're looking for, um, we're, we're looking for feedback. We're lo- just like I asked at the beginning of this podcast. We're looking for people to validate who we are. And what we've done and the work that we've taken or validate that we have some sort of intrinsic talent that maybe others don't, that we're special. That's what people want. They want to feel special. This is not bad. Here's the thing. Because the companies have done this for so long, they've really got it nailed. Like they know, see, their role is different than my role. And this is not a good, bad thing. Like this does not make them evil. Their role is to move product. <clears throat> they create the product. I don't care what we're talking about, by the way. I don't care if it's financial sales, if it's sales in general, if it's car sales. It doesn't matter. The company creates a product, goes to its sales force, and then, and then compensates the sales force to move the product. <laughs> That's what their the job is. And so if they weren't trying to figure out how to externally motivate um, their sales force to move more product, you know what? They shouldn't be in business and their board should vote out their leadership flat out so that it's not a bad thing what the companies are doing. And, it, and on the other end of that spectrum, though, you have to understand that if you start playing for the awards and the awards only, or the awards primarily, if that becomes your, your mission, your purpose, you're going to burn out pretty quick. It's going to be a tough run. And I know people who have done it for 20 years, 30 years, and they're playing for that end zone, like that pressure. They just want the pressure to stop. I've had, I've had 25-year producers, salespeople, tell me, um, Joe, I've got monetary success, but I'm a wreck emotionally. Every year I start at zero. And I have to continue to repeat and create. And I just want that to end. And so that, that's what happens when you become motivated specifically or only by award. So let's take a different example of it. Let me go back to jiu-jitsu. In any martial art, well, I guess in almost every martial art, there's a belt system. Now, what is a belt system? Well, it serves really two functions. One, it is an outward display to other people in your gym as to your experience level. Right, so I could I could go to um, 
you know, I could leave St. Louis or Memphis and I could fly to Miami or Vegas or wherever and I could walk into a jiu-jitsu, a jiu-jitsu gym and put on my white belt with one stripe, by the way, white belt, one stripe, and immediately everyone in the gym knows, like, oh, okay, this guy's been doing it for a certain period in time, you know, certainly not five years, more like maybe three months. He probably knows these basic concepts, right? He understands guard. He understands sweeping. He understands a couple of maybe submission holds. He understands etiquette, right? He understands some of the basic etiquette, you know, shaking hands, bumping knuckles before you, you know, get it on, that kind of stuff. Versus if I went to a gym and I put on a brown belt. Um, now, the brown belt, they're going to look at me and say, okay, he might be an awesome brown belt. He might compete internationally or he might just be a guy who does, you know, jiu-jitsu in no competition. But either way... A brown belt says he's been doing this for years, and he doesn't just understand the fundamentals. He understands more than just the fundamentals. He understands how to piece it all together. That's, a, that's just, it's one of the reasons why they have a belt system. But the other reason why they have a belt system is because jiu-jitsu is a business, right? I mean, sure, it's a martial art. So is taekwondo. So is boxing. So is uh, keto. So is muay thai. And yet, if you don't have people showing up to your gym and paying every month, then you're the professor, the instructor, you're going to go out of business. So how do you motivate people who don't have self-discipline? How do you motivate those people to continue to want to come? Remember, motivation's a feeling. Want. I want to come. So one of the ways that they do that in martial arts, of course, is they do it through the belt system. You know, you're going to be a white belt, and in jiu-jitsu, as an example, you're going to be in a white belt for a a long period in time. It could be uh, up to two years. Some people are white belts in jiu-jitsu. So they give you stripes along the way, right? So you you get that little bit, that notch, and you feel good about it, and you continue to go because it's like, okay, now I'm I'm getting a little bit of feedback. I'm getting positive feedback. So what's the danger, and what's the overlap to what we talked about before in the sales area? Well... Let's say that I sign up for jiu-jitsu, and I go, and I like it, and I do. I really do. Um, what am I going for? What's the purpose for me to go to jiu-jitsu? Well, for me, I'll just speak for me. For me, there's two reasons, maybe three. Reason number one, I like the workout, right? I mean, I've been an endurance runner. I've been a triathlete. I, I like pain, as silly as that sounds. Like, there are you know, a lot of athletes out there will know what I'm talking about. They, especially endurance athletes, no matter if it's swimming, biking, running, mountain climbing, whatever the case may be, they enjoy pain. And I like that too. So, um, jujitsu gives you that. It gives you, you know, a lot of muscular movements. It gives you a lot of joint action. It gets you out of breath. It's a different kind of cardio than running eight miles would give you. And I really like that. So I enjoy it. I enjoy the workout. Great cardio, wonderful calorie burner. Like, it's good stuff. Um, it's almost like weightlifting every time you're there, too. The second reason why I enjoy it, um, or why I'm going, I should say, is because, honestly, I, I want the self-defense. You know, I've, <clears throat> I've learned, um, you know, marksmanship. Yeah, I, I, I like guns. I, I understand how guns work. I, and I realize, at least in my opinion, that your number one self-defense against bad guys is a gun, if you know how to use the tool. That being said, if you're on an airplane, you don't have a gun. You don't have a knife. You don't have much of anything. Um, you know, if you're, There are a lot of areas that you could wind up in where you don't have the ability to de- defend yourself. And jiu-jitsu at its core is defense. 
you're 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 escaping a bad situation, right? By by controlling and submitting somebody, and ultimately be, being able to get away. And that's why I'm there. I want the workout, and I want the self defense knowledge. That's why I'm there. I'm not there to get a blue belt. I'm not there to get a purple belt, brown belt, black belt. When those things happen, I don't look down on them. I don't. I don't say those are stupid. Right? I mean, of course, I accept my promotions. I clap for others who get their promotions. That's a good thing. But there are people in my gym who are there only for the belt. And they get massively disappointed when they don't get their stripe, when they don't get their belt, when they don't get recognized for the work that they've put in. And so for me, that's a purpose problem. They're there for the wrong purpose. They're there, they're, they've got the wrong mission. And they are not going to be happy in their walk in jiu-jitsu if they stay on that mission. It's the same thing in sales. Is there anything wrong with getting a trip? No. Is there anything wrong with getting, you know, those those patches on your name tag down to your knee? No. There's nothing wrong with that. Is there anything wrong with getting the golden eagle? No. That's not the problem. Those are just things. Those are just stripes on a belt. And good for you. The problem is when that becomes your mission. The problem is when you're looking at that as the validation of who you are and your talent level. And that's not going to last. And that's why you, there are people that are massively successful, income and otherwise, and they're burnt out and they can't continue and they can't wait for this, this, this thing to be over. They just can't wait to be 55, 65, 70 when they can retire and then be happy. My argument is you're not going to be happy at 70. Your mission's been wrong the whole time. And when you, quote unquote, retire and reach the end zone, you're going to be unhappy about something else. So why am I anti-awards and what's wrong with them? I'm not anti-awards. There's nothing wrong with them. However, almost everybody who's been in my um, foxhole groups, both 001 and 002 so far, have a serious deep-seated problem with how they deal with getting or not getting awards. And, I, and I've been down that road. I really have. And it's, it's, been, it's taken years for coaches that I have to walk me through the, the balance between getting an award and living for the award. Okay? So uh, especially now towards the end of the year, you know, we're recording this in October, early October. You got two, what, what is it, three, four months, whatever it is until the end of the year. You're going to hit your number or you're not. I would argue you shouldn't have a, you shouldn't have a number. What's the point? Have a greater mission, a bigger mission, a bigger purpose. Have that. And I'm not talking about the obvious. You know, why are you in this business? Oh, I'm in it to help people. No, you're not. No, you're not. That could be a byproduct. But if you're going to tell me your mission in life is to help people, then do it for free. Don't get paid for it. That would be purpose. That would be mission. Go set up a, you know, a, a, a kiosk at church on the weekend and give away all your information for free. Yeah, some people do that as pro bono, but they don't do it all the time, right? So mission is much greater than that. It's, it's bigger than that. Sure, help people. Good. If you don't help people, guess what? In capitalistic America, you're not going to get paid. And if you do get paid, it's not going to last forever. So it doesn't have to be that. It could be more personal. It could be more family-based. 
And, uh, and that's, a, I think, a, I know that's a huge thing that's lacking in the people that come to me and they struggle with understanding, well, what does that mean? How, well, what is my purpose and what is my mission? Is it a mission statement? Like, okay, Joe, walk me through an exercise. Let's, let's build this out over the weekend. It doesn't happen that fast. This is a complete strip down for a lot of you of the, the way that you've learned your career because everything around your career has been about stack rankings. And looking at who's number one, who's number 10, who's number 20, and trying to rise up those rankings. And are you going to hit this club? And are you going to push through this business? All that is garbage. That is not the mission. And so that's what's wrong with the awards, not the awards per se. Now flip it on its head. Now understand exactly the game you're playing and the purpose in your life. And then take the awards as they come. Cool. Nothing wrong with that. You know, I just got my, my stripe on my white belt. What did I say? No. No, no, no thanks. I'm good. I'm just going to sit over here with no stripe because I'm not here for the stripe. No, of course not. That'd be dumb. That'd be playing a martyr, really. Um, so don't do that. So awards aren't bad. It's just you're focused on the wrong mission if you're so focused on awards. Okay, what else we got here? Number, next question. Oh, this is a good one. Okay. I get this a lot. I get this from, oh, man, a lot of people. Question, Joe, what does swimming in the ocean or PT in the morning have to do with being better at sales? Why do I have to get up early in order to be better at sales? You don't. You don't have to get up early to be better at sales. You don't have to do physical training or swim in the ocean or any of that. You don't. In fact, I know people who are quite good at sales and do none of those things. Here's the problem from my perspective. Let me, let me, again, I apologize. Let me go back to jujitsu for a second. Because I'm such a newbie, I'm picking up these things that probably people who have been in the gym for 10 years don't, don't see anymore, or maybe they don't see as much. In jujitsu, it's, it's, it's like a circle. You learn one move, and you learn another move. It's like on the opposite end of the circle, and then you learn this other move, and you know, where I'm at, like, I cannot see how these pieces fit together. I just have no idea. They show me this, this uh, key lock grip, or they show me a, you know, collared cross choke. Or, and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then I do it a few times, and then I do it again. And some guy completely obliterates me because he knows that, well, when you go here, I'm going to go there. And then when I go there, you're going to go here. Like, they have this chess match that they're playing that I have no idea even exists yet. Because they've been at it for 10 years. And what they haven't done is they haven't said, well, I'm just going to focus just on chokeholds. No, they've focused on single leg, leg takedowns and double leg takedowns and um, cartwheeling over somebody and rolling out of a lock and um, playing offense from their back. And I mean, it's endless what these guys and girls can do. It's really endless. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. Because a 110-pound woman can completely submit a 200-pound man just by knowing the circle, knowing what she's trying to do, knowing how she's setting things up. But she can't ignore any of the parts of the circle. And to take it even further, the ones that are really good at jiu-jitsu are intelligent people. They're very intelligent people. And they don't ignore their body. So they eat right. They train outside of jiu-jitsu. They run they condition themselves, they weight lift, they do multiple things, all small things that lead up to a good jiu-jitsu practitioner. So what does sails and swimming in the ocean have anything to do with each other? 
And what I'm going to tell you is that you can't draw a straight line. Just like in jiu-jitsu, I can't draw a straight line from one move to the next. Because you have to set things up, and a lot of different things are required to understand why. But in my groups, what I try to do is I try to teach things, and we've talked about this many times, we teach things like discipline, a skill set of discipline that most of you don't know or haven't had or haven't had in a long time. And we teach those things through the body, you know, through, through kinesthetics, because I think, without any science to back it up, that's the best way to learn discipline. And when you have discipline, then you can, you can be a better producer. You can be a better income provider. You can be a better dad and husband and all those things too. But specifically as it relates to sales, you have to have a high level of discipline or you're not going to be consistent. You'll do it as you feel. And that's motivation. And you'll do it when you read a cool quote or somebody puts something out on, you know, Instagram that like, oh, I really, it really gets you going. You know, you'll read something from, you know, Schwarzenegger or whoever, you know, something and it'll get you all fired up. That's motivation. We're not looking for that. We're looking for discipline and discipline comes through difficult things. And how best can you learn that? Put yourself in very uncomfortable situations. And not everybody can go do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. You know, some people have physical limitations. They can't do that. But everybody can go swim in the ocean where they can't see the bottom and they got to put some fins on and get way out there and they don't know they're part of the food chain and it's very uncomfortable and they have to learn how to work as a team and learn things like collective courage, as my coach Eric Davis would say, collective courage, you know, that you do things that you would never do except for the fact that there are other people out there with you doing it. And that's what swimming in the ocean has to do with sales because you become a better overall person. You understand teamwork. You understand courage. You understand discipline. You understand doing things that other people aren't willing or aren't capable of doing. Physical training is the same thing. Why get up at 4.30 in the morning? I mean, a lot of you guys just completely laugh at me about that. But you haven't really tried it. You haven't really given it any time. Now, I, I get it. Not everyone operates great in the morning. Problem is, you guys don't. Most of you who are listening to this, you, 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 you men and women out there, you're not, you're not single. All of you, you have other responsibilities. You have a husband or a wife, and you've got kids, and you've got places that you have to take those kids, and you've got parents who might need your help, friends. You've got things going on, and the physical training, the hour, hour and a half that you probably should be doing every day if not at least a half an hour, it, it just kind of goes away because the day gets away from you. You know, I really, I've always been this way. I feel like if I can get up in the morning early, yeah, it sucks getting out of bed. I don't like it. I'd much rather hit the snooze button, just kind of lay there, chill out, relax. But the way our houses are, both houses that we have, they're set up that I can hear cars going up and down the street. And I tell you, what drives me insane is if I sleep long enough that I can start hearing cars going outside, I know there are people out there already and they're doing something and I'm not. And that might seem silly, but at the end of the day, if you're in sales, it is a competitive world. And I hear all the time, I don't have enough people to talk to. That's BS. There's plenty of people out there to talk to. You just won't talk to them. You're afraid. You know, you're worried about what they might think of you. And you know, you know, this is true. You might be listening to it in the car or on a bike or whatever you're doing. And you know what I'm saying is true. You don't have an activity problem. You've got a courage problem because you're not used to doing hard things. 
repetitively. You're not used to enjoying doing hard things and difficult things. You don't like being made a fool of. See, I embrace those things. I do. That's why I do the things that I do. And you know what? Not everything I try works out. I fail miserably at a lot of things. The whole world of coaching is completely new to me in the last two years. I mean, who am I? But the flip side of that is I don't care. I just want to try it because as I help others, I learn more myself. And if you can't teach yourself to wake up at 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning and go get some, go get after it, go do hard things, then you're more likely to give up later than the day too. As you look at your, your case open list and you say, oh, I'm nowhere near the production I need to be at to be the producer that I'm supposed to be for my family. I'm nowhere near it. I'm never going to support my real mission in life with the production that I'm doing right now. And if you reverse engineer that and you look at it, the answer is, well, I need more people. And the common answer to that is, well, I don't have enough people. Yeah, you do. Look outside. Look out your neighborhood. I'm looking outside mine right now. Everybody in this community here should be a client of mine. Right? I mean, why why not? Why not make a list of 10 of the highest income people in your neighborhood and then go into Facebook and Instagram and find them, see who they're friends with. Maybe you know a couple of their friends and go to the friends and get introduced to those people. Go get introduced to 10 of them. You know what? One of them, one of them, if you're the worst salesperson ever is going to become a client of yours. One. Really? If you've gone through any kind of coaching or you understand your product really well and you've got a little bit of talent, really of those 10, you'll probably pick up three or four or more. And just do your average case size times three or four or more and say you do that two, three times a year. That's more business than most of you have ever written. What does it take? Does it take a fancy opening conversation? Nope. Does it take a a fancy elevator talk? No. doesn't take any of that. It literally takes numbers. And there are 300 and whatever million Americans out there Let's say 10% of them are in your world that you'd like to work with. That's 30 million people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. If you could sell 40 of them a year, 40 of them, 40 people out of 30 million that are probably in your market, 40 of them, you are in pretty good shape in addition to what you do already. But to do that requires discipline and to, to build Lasting discipline requires doing hard things and uncomfortable things. And sometimes to do those things requires a team. So what does swimming in the Pacific Ocean have to do with sales? Literally everything. Excursions, getting out there, doing scary things, doing things you're not good at, doing them with other people, doing them repeatedly, getting up early if you don't like to get up early, all of it. All of it is that circle. As I learn jiu-jitsu, I don't question why I'm learning a certain grip. I just learn the grip. And I just trust that the people who have been up and over that hill before are teaching me the things I'm supposed to know for later. And all I'm telling you guys listening to this right now is I'm not over the mountain. I'm just further up the mountain than most people. And I'm here to tell you, look, this is the path. This is the way right here to do it. There's probably other ways too. There might even be quicker ways. But I can tell you this path works. But it entails some very uncommon, unconventional ways of learning things. Being in teams, going out there, we call it. 
in the wilderness, in the ocean, doing hard things and scary things and new things. It's all going to make you way more disciplined and and understanding team and mission and purpose way better. And it's going to make you so much more effective as a sales producer. Next question, number three. Joe, prospects say one thing and then do another. How do I fix this? Yeah, I've never had that happen, so I don't know. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, that's what people do. That's what people do. Um, we have a uh, we have a, a tournament coming up in our jiu-jitsu gym, and it's a the Midwest Regionals. I'm in uh, a, a gym called the Gracie Baja Gym. It's just a uh, it's a it's a gym that teaches jiu-jitsu, and um, our professor, our, our black belt, our instructor, the guys all have been begging him, hey, why do we have to travel all the time to go to the Midwest Regionals for tournaments and stuff like that? Can't you get people to come to St. Louis? So he did. He went, he went out on a limb. He sold it. He got people to decide, okay, we're going to hold that in St. Louis. But you know what? He has been begging people from our gym to sign up to drive 15 minutes down the road and go to the tournament. That's insane. And I stand there every week as he's basically begging, saying, guys, you said you wanted this. I went out and I got it. It's here. This is going to make me look like an idiot. Sign up. It's not expensive. You don't have to travel. Let's put up a good showing. And I'm just listening to him. By, by like the third week, he finally said, guys, look, if you don't want to go, it's cool. Like, I, I'm just trying to do what you say you want. And it really hit me. This is everywhere. So here's what you do. You actually can't control other people, right? You can't. You can't control. You know, when I was going through my divorce, I remember my, my good friend, Joe Erkovich who we'll interview on here sometime. Some of you out there know who he is and um, have met him. He's written a couple of great books, uh, The Leadership Deficit, and uh, I think the other one was The Father Deficit. Great books. Go look them up on Amazon. Order those. Read them. They're great. Um, he told me as I was going through my divorce, <clears throat> you can't control her. It doesn't matter what she does. You can't control any of it. You have to do you. You have to be the man that you want to be. And you have to go through that situation the way you want to go through it. And as odd as that sounds, I've really took a lot of that back to sales and realized that, yeah, you know, most people will say one thing and do the other. I can't control that. Can't fix it. But here's what I do know. Now, that takes some time. And it's in some of you guys are going to be like, well, that's a stretch. Yeah, but <laughs> it's true. Most of you out there listening to me do the same damn thing that your prospects are doing to you. You say one thing, but you don't follow through. You say one thing and you do the other. Or worse, somebody asks you a question, you say yes, even though you know you don't want to do it. And you know you're probably not going to do it. Like you never had any intention to do it. You lied. And if, if you are by yourself listening to this right now, be honest with yourself. You know you've done this. I've done it. Some of you do it too often. That's the problem. You can't operate that way. You have to do what you say you're going to do, even if it sucks. And by doing that as a routine, being known as that's who you are. Um, now, you can't be perfect. I get that. Things happen in life. But being, being known as that's who you are, you have integrity, you're going to do the things you say you're going to do. You will attract people that resonate with that. 
you know, we, we, we have clients tell us all the time, oh, we want to do more client events. Your client events are awesome. We want to do more of those. Okay. So we build them. We put them out there. Nobody comes. But you know what we do? Instead of complaining about it, we just simply say, all right, we're going to keep doing them. And we're going to keep telling you why they're important. We're going to keep doing them. Even if nobody shows up, we're going to keep doing them. And we're doing what we say we're going to do. And over time, what's going to happen is the clients who just don't show up, they're kind of going to weed themselves out. They're not going to be clients forever. But we're going to attract others who love that. People like me who would look at that and say, man, that guy says he's going to do it and he does it. That's the guy I want to be around. Right? Like, I want to be in that jiu-jitsu gym. I want to follow that guy. I want to go to that business coach. I want to follow that guy. He does what he says he's going to do. You have to get better at that yourself before any of us have any right of accusing other people or getting irritated with other people, including our spouses. And it really starts there. And I think on one of these podcasts, we talked about intentions, which is so important. Um, a lot of the people I coach have struggles with their spouses. I get that. This is, you know, sales is a complicated industry and difficult, and it can be tough on spouses. But one of the things I go to first with people is say, listen, most of the fights you're having with your spouse is because you don't trust their intentions or they don't trust yours. They think that the things you say are there to hurt them. They think that the things that you're doing or not doing are there to spite them. You got to get the intentions right. You got to have the other party understanding your intentions are pure. And then even when things don't go right, they give you grace because they know that you didn't intend to do anything wrong. You say you're going to do something, you don't do it. They immediately say, there's a really good reason for this. He would never intend to say one thing and do the other. So become that person. How do you, the question is, wow. Well, I'll refer you back to question number two, which is, well, there's no strategy, manipulation, or any of it. It's, it's a big circle of learning a bunch of different pieces that all fit together ultimately, which most, most coaching um, companies really don't want to deal with. They just want to deal with uh, salesmanship. And how to say stuff and when to say stuff and how to manipulate people. And those things are all, look, I'm not like downplaying it. Like those things, that's sales. That's how, you, that's how it works. But at the end of the day, you need more than that. So how do, you, how do you fix that? How do you get people who will do what they say they're going to do? You start with you. Let me shift gears for a minute here um, with about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so to go. And I want to talk a little bit about going out there quote unquote out there. And this comes from my wife, Jamie. Uh, I've told the story before, I believe where, uh, people, uh, in my first coaching group were asking her at dinner one time, how do you deal with Joe? Like going and doing this swimming in the ocean and camping in the redwoods and going to the mountains of Utah. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? The guy's never home. And her point, like as most things, I steal her stuff and use it. What she said was something to the effect of, I can't explain it to you. But every time he goes out there, he comes back with more money. And they kind of laughed. But what she was referring to wasn't actually like clients. She wasn't saying he goes out there and comes back with money because he got, he got clients. She's saying that when he goes out there, something happens to him. Something clicks. Some, he learns something. He applies something differently. He, he, he gets a strategy. He gets exposed to things that he normally wasn't you know, being exposed to. And then he takes that and puts it in his business and he creates something from it. So the most recent example of this was something called um, um, the Legacy Event. And it was through Ryan Mickler. You can go look this guy up. Ryan Mickler, M-I-C-H-L-E-R. 
uh, from the order of man. And he created an event called Legacy, and it was built for men and their boys out in the uh, mountains of southern Utah. And uh, I've known Ryan for some time, and good guy. And, but I didn't, I didn't know this event was coming up. And one day on Facebook, I just kind of see it pop up. And, you know, it's this, this event, and I'm looking at it. I'm like, oh, man. I mean, him, I'm listening to the descriptions. Oh, boys between the ages of 8 and 15. Check. I have one of those. Um, you know, events will include axe throwing and airsoft and camping and, like, check, check, check. Yeah, I like all that stuff. Uh, Jiu-jitsu, yes. Give me some. So all that stuff was part of the group. And I'm like, wait, 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 how much is this going to cost? And I saw the price. It was nothing. Relatively speaking, nothing. And so I immediately messaged Ryan and I'm like, hey, man, when is this event? And he said, "Uh, it's next Thursday or next Friday. It was about a week away. And I looked at my calendar real quick and I saw some things I could move around and I'm like doing the mental math in my head and I'm like, yeah, man, I could just buy some tickets and like, okay, I could make this happen. And I turned to Jamie and I said, what do you think? Yeah, should I do that? And she said something along the lines of, if we can't do those things at the drop of a hat, then what's the point of the way we're living our lives? And she was right. You know, my purpose in life, my mission, the reason why I was built is to be at play. When I'm at play, I'm really living a good life. And I want my children to understand that. So it wasn't should we? It was, we have to. It's, it's, a, it, it's necessary. It's the cause of something bigger. It's not the reward for having worked hard. Gavin and I went out to that camp. And what we learned, or I should say really what I learned, I can tell you this for sure. One, I learned that I can throw a hatchet because I won that little championship. Just saying, hey, remember the first question? Why are you anti-awards? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm not. When that video comes out, I hope they put it out there and you see, you know, me, my professional hatchet throwing uh, ways. And uh, yeah, that's, that's a, it's a good feeling. I like it. It's competition. But what I really learned is that I showed up and there were, there were 19 other men and their boys at this one. I'd never met any of them. One of them I had met before. Nobody else. I, I didn't know any of them. And I immediately, I immediately knew how, who I was around. I was around a bunch of 1% people. I was around a bunch of people who were making things happen. Good, good teammates. Not one person over those three days annoyed anybody else. Nobody. Everybody took ownership of their own stuff. Everyone's boys were working hard together. Everyone helped father the other boys and encourage. It was an immediate team atmosphere. Immediate. And the things that we got done from building debris shelters to putting up six-person tents quickly to um, learning how to fire you know, suppressed ARs and, and target zombie targets that blood when you shot them. And I mean, all kinds of cool boy stuff, right? Doing those things a lot of us had never done before. Learning how to, how to um, you know, do archery and throw hatchets and on and on and on. That could only be done in that kind of an environment out there in the mountains of Utah away from the comforts of normal home, an adventure on a plane with some stake in the game. It costs some money, a couple thousand dollars plus flights, hotel, etc. right? Rental car to drive the two and a half hours from Vegas to the mountains all that time, time off work, time away from the rest of the family. It's going to cost. Going out there has to cost something. Time and effort and money has to. But the lessons learned out there, away from your normalcy, away from your little bubble, are critical for you to become a better teammate and leader, 
to become better at your own internal discipline, to become better as a man or a woman, to understand how to use your body more effectively, to get away from cell phones and constant instant messaging, and then taking all of those things and looking for specific ways to apply them to your career. And that, that right there changes everything. And it's not obvious and it's not common. And it's not a sales seminar. It's got nothing to do with sales, actually. It's got everything to do with just becoming a more effective and a better human being. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're listening to this and you're 22 right out of college, you're 43 like me, or you're 65. It does not matter. All of these things can be learned and then redeployed back into your career or your marriage or your spiritual walk or whatever the case may be. Other people aren't talking about it. I get it. I get it. This isn't some sort of Tony Robbins thing where you go and you chant and you beat drums. I'm sure that's effective. I'm not belittling it. That's just not what this is. It is, though, uncommon. It is meant to push you off of normal. I think that if other people around you are looking at you and saying, I don't get it, then you're on the right track. And eventually, not immediately, eventually, you will see the economics of your life change and your spirituality change and your communication with your husband or your wife change and your relationships with your kids and your friends change. Because there is no end zone. There is no December 31st, we get our award, we're good. And just do that 40 years in a row and you'll be happy. Uh-uh. No, you'll be happy when you figure out your purpose and your mission and you work on team and you build that. Then, You'll be happy along the way. So to end it today, so we've answered a couple questions. These are the questions that I thought were kind of linked a little bit, you know, maybe maybe made some sense with each other, especially as we're entering, you know, or we're in the fourth quarter here of the year. Um, I'll, I'll mention this because it's out on the Facebook pages, et cetera. Um, we have currently uh, Foxhole Group, 001. It's been at it for two uh, yeah for two years, and um, there's been some amazing, incredible growth in that group, physically, mentally, spiritually, definitely economically. Foxhole Group 002 kicked off in June. Um, they're just what a couple months into it, um, and I am going to open up one more group beginning in January. Foxhole 003, and we limit it to seven people, and um, it's it, you know. I don't want it to be any more than seven people. And so if we get, if we get two people, well, we just won't have a group. <laughs> or maybe I can, I can figure out if you might fit in one of the other groups. I don't need to have a third group. I just figure we've made some really good progress with the other two. Um, let's see if we can't do it again. Um, as I teach you, I learn. So it's almost selfish in that respect. Um, if we get 15 people, we're just going to take the top seven. I'm not going to do two groups. I'm just going to have to look at, okay, well, who are the seven people? And the higher the caliber, frankly, in terms of what's going on in their life, then um, the better results I can actually get. So this is important too. And this is true for you guys working with your clients. Um, this is why you have to be in, an, in a higher marketplace, most of you. You can't expect to produce exceptional results with people who aren't capable of it. 
And the problem in sales is if you work only with people who aren't capable of good results, you only work with a low marketplace, then you're going to get known as that. If you consistently work with exceptional clients, then you're going to be known as that. You're going to be known as the person, as the guy or girl who's able to get great results from an already good situation. So there, therein lies the competition again, right? Like this isn't, this isn't uh, supposed to be, oh, everybody can make it. But if you're interested in going somewhere, if you're interested in being better, don't self-diagnose your situation. Don't say no for somebody else already, which a lot of people do in sales, by the way. Reach out to us. Let us know. Say, hey, I have some interest in this group. What's it cost? Uh, what's it take? You know, how does it work? And uh, we'll get back to you and we'll see if it's a good fit. And if it is, we'll start off in January. And if it isn't, no big deal. Uh, we still have, I mean, we write on Facebook all the time. Um, we put out all kinds of papers and notes. There's a website and, of course, this podcast. So to sign off now again today, thanks so much for listening. Um, if you do listen to it uh, and you've never engaged with us anywhere, uh, you know, reviewing or on Facebook or, or any of it, uh, and you see me at an event or something like that, just come up to me and say, hey, I listen to your podcast, I like it or I hate it. <laughs> or, hey, I have an idea or something like that. I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you. Um, so with that, uh, make it a good rest of um, the probably October, unless I can get another one out here with all my travel. That's an excuse. Travel has nothing to do with it. I just haven't put one out. Um, but if I don't get back on here, have a great rest of the October. Don't eat too much Halloween candy, and we'll talk to you soon.